Thanks for listening to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. Our prayer is that today's message will challenge and inspire you to pursue Jesus and to love people to life. So we're going to get into the Word of God. We started a new series uh, last week called uh, Good News, Good News of Great Joy. Um, and so really, that's, that's the idea of the gospel, right? The word gospel means good news. Uh, and so we're just going to be talking about how Jesus coming is the good news that we all need. So um, does anybody ever lie awake at night? Or am I the only person? I got a couple people in here. Worship team, help me out. I need like some, like I need a little bit of help in here. How many of you like lay awake at night? Come on now. All right, good. Everybody in here, not just me. It makes me feel happy. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel not so weird. Um, what keeps you up at night? If you're watching online, like this is the best time ever because you can legitimately type your answer in right now. Uh, so type it in right now. Like what keeps you up at night? Is it your kids? Is it finances? Is it like, like what keeps you up at night? Um, maybe it's your spouse's snoring. Uh, if I get tired, I snore really loud and I have to apologize to my wife. Uh, so, so maybe it's that. And then my, my follow-up question is, that, is, what do you do when you can't sleep at night? You sneak down to the fridge and look for a snack. You give up and you like go sit on the couch and watch TV until your eyes can't stay open any longer. And then you go to bed. <laughs> do you wake your spouse up because you feel like if you're going to be miserable, they need to be miserable right along with you? I hope you don't do that. That's not a good answer. For anybody who does that, that is not a good answer. Don't do that. Um, what do you do, though? Do you, do you go read? Do you read the Bible? Do you pray? Do you pray, God, please let me fall asleep? This is driving me nuts. What do you, what do, you do? A lot of times, what keeps us up at night is things that we're anxious about. I may be anxious about a test that I have the next day. I may be anxious about something that's going on in the life of my children. I may be anxious about my finances. I may be anxious about a conversation that I'm going to have to have the next day that I'm not excited to have. There's a lot of things that can keep us up, but usually it's something that we're anxious or something that we're fearful or something that we were unsure of that keeps us up at night. And Jesus coming is, 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 is an answer to what is happening in that moment, because what we really need is peace. And so today we're going to be talking about how we have a God of peace. We have a God of peace, and that is part of the good news of great joy that happened at Christmas. So we're going to go way, way back to be able to get to where we're going to go. All right, so we're going to fast forward thousand years at least to be able to get to where we're headed. So a little bit of context for what's happening here. So Israel is in the midst of being taken over by the Assyrian people, right? The Assyrians are coming in. They're coming into the northern section of Israel. They're coming in and they're trying to take them over, enslave them, um, and and that's, that's never a fun thing. That's never a good thing. Um, if there was ever anything that you should have anxiety about, that is probably one of those things that should give you a lot of anxiety, that should give you a lot of fear, should give you a lot of frustration. Um, and so this is where it picks up in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah 9, 2 through 7. 
So if you have your Bibles at home, it might be weird because you're watching on the screen, so you can't use the screen for your Bible, which you normally do. Uh, so you have to pull out your real Bible, which maybe you're not used to. Um, Isaiah is in the Old Testament. It's in the beginning. You can go to the front to see where it's at, what page number. Um, I'll give you a second. Isaiah 9, 2 through 7. Here's what it says. It says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. So, so here's the cool thing. The prophecy, a lot of times we don't, we don't think that it's giving, getting to a prophecy about Jesus until much later in this passage, but it's actually starting right there. The great light it's talking about is Jesus. So this is actually the beginning of the prophecy of Jesus coming. And it says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Now it's talking about those who are being taken captive by the Assyrians are going to have a hope of Jesus coming. In other words, he will actually come out of that part of the kingdom. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. Now it gets into a portion of scripture that we're used to hearing, but all of that is setting up all of this. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Right now, that is something that we have sung, we have read. It's something that we have we have been a part of. Right, for unto us a son is given, unto us a child is born. Like we've heard that. If you've been in church for any period of time, or you've sung Christmas songs, you've probably heard that passage before. And there's something we're going to focus on today. In the midst of their turmoil, in the midst of everything that they're going through, in the midst of them being taken into oppression, in the midst of them being enslaved, Isaiah is bringing forth a prophecy of who Jesus will be and how Jesus will bring peace because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. That is, that is one of the easiest titles that we've heard bestowed upon Jesus, especially at Christmas time. He is the Prince of Peace. Because God, in and of himself, and this is part of what good news is, this is part of everything that we're going to be talking about throughout this series, is that Jesus is a reflection of God. Like Pastor Shane talked about last week, Jesus is a reflection of God. Jesus is a reflection of the news that God wanted to send to us, the reflection of love that God has for us. 
So, so since God is the God of peace, that makes Jesus, his son, the prince of peace. And in a time where they were going through so much turmoil, Isaiah is prophesying and saying, peace will come. Now, it came thousand, a, a thousand years later, but, but peace came. And it didn't come like they expected it to come. You know, the government will be on his shoulders. Oh, he's going to come as a political figure, and this is going to be awesome. And he's going to take us into a political freedom that we've never experienced before. And Jesus shows up, the son of a carpenter, never holds a political office. Because the peace that he was bringing wasn't a peace in a political realm. It was an internal peace that you can have found in him. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. I, I heard somebody say one time, um, this is really cool, and I don't know who said it, but it's that Christmas is the invasion of the Prince of Peace into enemy-occupied territory. Right? Christmas is the invasion of the Prince of Peace into enemy-occupied territory. In other words, the moment that Adam and Eve fell, right? There's no such thing as peace in the midst of this world. Then all of a sudden, Jesus comes, right? And when Jesus came as the Prince of Peace, at that moment, the, the earth was Satan's dominion. He had, he had full power over the earth. He had all power that he wanted to have. And then Jesus shows up and is like, hold on, I'm here to change things. I am here to declare war on sin. I'm here to declare war on disease. I'm here to declare war on anxiety. I'm here to declare war on fear. I'm here to declare war on all of those things that, that, that you thought you held over everyone. I'm here to declare war on those things. And we see that in a, in a summary of 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That's a short, brief summary of 1 John 3, 8. But really, the reason Jesus came was to destroy what Satan was trying to do. That's the reason that Jesus came. And what we see here is that peace only comes from Jesus. Peace only comes from him. There is no other source of peace. We can try and turn to a lot of different things. It goes back to something Pastor Justin was talking about during worship. We can try and turn to a lot of man-made things. If I could only have enough money, I could have peace. No, you wouldn't, right? There's a famous, famous poet that said, mo' money, mo' problems. But it's truth. The more money you have, the more problems you're going to have. You can ask rich people. They'll tell you. That's why they work nonstop a lot. More money, more problems. You can turn to a lot of different things to try and solve the fear, the anxiety, the worry, looking to other things as your source of peace. If I could only find a spouse, I would have peace. That is not the answer. To anybody who's not married, that is not the answer. Your, so, your spouse will not be your source of peace. It's just not going to happen. Jesus is the only source of peace that we can find. So how do we get to that point? 
How do we get to that point of, of, of Jesus truly being the source of peace in our lives? So we're going to look at another portion of Scripture in Isaiah, Isaiah 57, um, starting in verse 18, and it says this, I have seen what they do, but I will heal them anyway. I will lead them. I will comfort those who mourn, <laughs> bringing words of praise to their lips. May they have abundant peace, both near and far, says the Lord who heals them. But those who still reject me are like the restless sea, which is never still, but continually churns up mud and dirt. There is no peace for the wicked, says my God. <clears throat> right? So here's the thing. God's looking and saying, listen, my desire is for them to have abundant peace. My desire is for them to have it. But if they're going to reject me, if they are going to just continually be trying to like do evil things, there's going to be no peace for those who walk in wickedness. Now, rewind to, for, to what I said earlier. Jesus is the reflection of God to us. Jesus says something very similar to this in John 14. John 14, 15, he says this, if you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. We're going to come back to that. But we're going to keep going for a second here. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Right? We go back, and, and I had to get through all of that because 20 and 21 really come back and solidify what was said in 15 and 16. 15 and 16 is, is, is simply this. Peace is found in obedience. Right? Maybe you've disobeyed the law. Right? Like, I'll be honest. There's, all right, this is confession time for me, okay? I'm going to prove right now for all of you who didn't know I'm not perfect. All right. And I know that might be a shock to some of you. It's a shock to my wife. I know. Um, but there's a stoplight that I absolutely hate. I hate it because it takes forever to turn green. And here's something I hate about New Hampshire. Everywhere has to have a left turn light. Everywhere has to have a green left turn, and it drives me nuts. I hate it because I look and I go, if you cannot sit here and evaluate, yes, I can turn left with the oncoming traffic right now, or no, I cannot turn left, I will cause an accident if I do, you should not have a driver's license. Plain and simple. So there's a light, and it may have even happened this morning on my way here. Uh, there is a light that when I get to it, and it is red, and I cannot turn left on it. And there is not a single other car around. There are many times that I accidentally 
Oh, God, forgive me. Uh, treat it like a stop sign instead of a stoplight. And if no one else is coming and nobody else is around, I go. But what do I always do before I do that? I look in every mirror and I look in every direction to make sure there's not a police officer there because I know what I'm doing is disobeying, right? I don't have peace in that moment because I am living in a place of disobedience. We cannot live in peace if we are living in disobedience to the source of peace. If God is the source of peace, if Jesus is, is, is where peace is found, the fact that he came, that he died, that he lived here on earth, that he dwelt among us so that he could dwell in us, now, now if I am living in disobedience to that, I cannot expect to find peace. Because I'm going to be in constant worry knowing that I'm living a life of disobedience knowing that I am living in opposition to what God's Word says, knowing that I am doing things that do not please the source of peace. So I cannot expect to have peace if I am living in disobedience to what God says. It, you just can't. You cannot have your cake and eat it too, as the saying goes. You, you can't do it. So that has to be that first thing that I get into alignment, that one, if maybe, and, and this isn't everybody, but maybe you've been living in a place of anxiety or fear or worry. Maybe you've been living in a place where you don't have peace. One of the very first things you can do is look and say, am I living in obedience to who he is? Now, the first step of that is, do I have a relationship with God? Do I have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because if you don't have a relationship with him, then you will never find peace in him. If I have not looked and said, God, I want a relationship with you. Jesus, I need you to forgive me of my sins. I need you to come into my heart. I need you to live inside of me. As it goes on to say in verses 21 and 22, I need you to come and dwell in me. <laughs> if, if we've never done that, then we can't find what I'm going to deem today perfect peace. Because there is this sense of peace that we can have around us. But to have perfect peace means Jesus dwelling inside of us and allowing Him to be the source of peace. Not something temporary, but something that's fixed and something that's permanent and something that's true. Because I can have temporary peace. You know, you get a bonus check at work and it pays off some debt. You get some temporary peace from that. Until you take on more debt and then that just brings it back again. And then you realize that took care of that. But now I've got this that I have to take care of. Perfect peace is different than that temporary peace that you may find from time to time. We're talking about a peace that you can't explain. A peace that, as it says in Scripture, passes all understanding. This perfect peace. Peace is found in obedience. And peace is not, peace, peace is not an absence of things going wrong. It doesn't mean that like all of my problems go away, and that's why I have peace. That, that's, not, that's not it. 
It's not that I'm never going to get sick again. My kids are never going to struggle again. I'm never going to have financial instability again. Like, that's not what peace is. Peace is that in the midst of the storm, I know where my anchor is. In the midst of the storm, I know who holds me in their hands, and he has my best interests at heart. So no matter where this storm takes me, and no matter whether it seems like I may be shipwrecked like Paul once was, or I, I, I may get to the brink of disaster, I may get to the brink of this, he holds me in my hands, and no matter what happens, his best interest is better than anything I could ever have planned. My peace is found in Him. He is the source of my peace. Jesus is the source. I put my trust in the source. And this is where Jesus made sure that He goes on. Because in 6, He says, listen, obey, and I will send an advocate. In other words, he's saying, I will send the Holy Spirit. Because here's what Jesus was trying to do, is that he left, but he didn't abandon. Jesus left, but he didn't abandon. He looked and he said, no, I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send you somebody who can, be a, who, who can remind you, we're going to get into this in a minute, who can remind you about what peace is, and where peace is found, and why you can have peace. He left but he didn't abandon. He said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Because he knew, he knew, we're fickle, forgetful people. God does something in us, and if we don't write it down, we're going to forget it six months later. We're, we're going to forget that God did something awesome and that God did something great because we're fickle, forgetful people. Right? We don't have all of Scripture memorized. It would be great if we did. It would be awesome. And I wish I could learn the entire Bible. That would be something very cool to do. But I can go read it and forget what it said a month later. And I go through something, and I'm looking and I'm going, oh God, I know you said something about that, and I read it like a month ago, and I forget where I read it, but God, I knew that I know that I read it, and God, I know that it was something that has to do with what I'm going through right now. Oh God, please let me remember that. Uh, Google, what did God say about, and don't act like you've never done that before. Don't act like you've never Googled, God, what do you have to say about blank? Everybody's done it, and don't act like you haven't, because if you do, you're just deceiving everybody else. Or you just have the Bible memorized. I'm not sure. But so many times we can be fickle, forgetful people. The fact that he didn't leave means that he was here. The, or the fact that he left but didn't abandon means that he was here. Going back to what we talked about last week is that Jesus came to dwell among us so he could dwell in us. And we see that in Luke 2.14. This is the very first words that are spoken after Jesus is born. This is the angels appearing to the shepherds and they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. That statement can be more closely translated to saying glory to God on the highest and because of that peace on earth, goodwill towards men. In other words, 
What it's saying is that peace may be found in obedience, but peace starts with giving glory to God. Peace is found in obedience, but it starts with giving glory to God. The angels showed up, and the very first thing they do is say, glory to God on the highest. Because of the glory that you give Him, is really what they're saying, peace will be on earth and goodwill will go out towards men. Peace starts with glorifying the Father and with giving Him praise and with giving Him worship. And obedience is part of glorification. Because I want to glorify Him with what I do, and I may have just made up the word glorification for anybody who's laughing at me right now, but it's a good word. Uh, (coughs) But peace, obedience, is a step in glorifying God. Because I want to glorify Him, I want to obey His Word. I want to obey His commands. I want to do things to please Him because I want to bring glory to Him and not to myself. And that is one of those huge things in peace is that I want to bring glory to the Father. Because I want to glorify Him, I can find peace. I can find peace in knowing that the glory is not going to me, but it is going to my heavenly Father. And I want to glorify God in everything that I do, so I want to obey Him. I want to try and make sure that I love other people because it's what He's called me to do. Now we're, now we're getting into this like glorifying God means that I give Him all of my life and I say, God, do with my life what You want. And let everything that I do not bring glory to me, not bring fame to me, but let it bring it to You. Let, let everything that is good in my life be because of You. And let everything good that I do be because of the love that I have for you. See, that is where peace can be found. Because now the pressure is like, it's it's, it's off of me. The, The pressure is off of me because now all I have to do is follow God. And as I follow Him, He receives the glory He receives the praise, and I get the peace that trickles down from it. From following Him, I get the peace that He passes on. He is the source. He is the source of everything. Like, forget peace. We could be talking about anything we wanted to right now. We could be talking about peace, hope, joy, (laughs) love. We could be talking about anything, and all of this translates. Is that He is the source And I am merely following the source, bringing glory to Him, and and peace is passed on to me. But it starts with glorifying God, giving Him the glory, not trying to get a hold of it for myself, but realizing that all talents I have come from Him. So He is the source of my finances because my talents... I am paid for the talents that I have. And so if He is the source of my talents, then my job is not my source of my finances, but God is the source of my finances. So when something gets messed up in it, as I glorify Him, He's the one that fixes the problem, not me. 
My kids, I am merely a steward of the kids that God has given me. So as I walk with them, and as there are going to be moments that they do things that I am not happy about, and I am not happy with, God is the source of fixing those issues, not me. And as I follow Him, peace comes from Him, because I have put everything back on Him by giving Him all the glory, and by giving Him all the honor, and by giving Him all the praise, and by giving Him the authority that He already has of being the source of everything that I have, and everything that I am, and everything that I receive. So, He, peace starts with giving glory to God. Now, what do, what do we do with that? In Colossians 3, 15, we see this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. All right. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. So in other words, we as a church are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God the Father through Him. So he says, live in peace, live in peace with one another. Here's how you do it. You admonish one another in wisdom. In other words, you encourage one another to grow in your faith. You do it by worshiping. You do it by coming together. And no matter what you do, whether it's in word, in other words, whether you're saying it or whether you're doing it, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus and give thanks to the God of Father through Him. This just solidifies the fact that peace comes from giving glory to the Father, whether that is as an individual or corporately. Everything that we have had happen in this past year as a church is not <laughs> because of, sorry, is not because of any one person doing it or, or us as a church doing it. It's because of the source of the Father who has given to us. And that is where we find peace. And now our job in Colossians 3, 15 and through 17, as you see, in, especially in verse 15, is that we are to pass on peace to others. Right? Peace be with you. And if you have any Catholic upbringing, you just looked at me in the camera and said, and also with you, or something along those lines. But it is very, very true that we are called to pass on the peace that passes all understanding to others. One of the ways that we are going to do that is we are going to take an offering next week, right? And we are going to give kids all over the world a chance to know peace by meeting the need of food and education in their lives. And Convoy of Hope does a great job of coming in and doing it and teaching them also who God is and how to give Him glory and how to find peace in Him. So it's not just the temporary peace. They're also bringing in the perfect peace which you can have. But we are called to pass on peace to others. How do we do that? We're going back to John 14 now. John 14, 23. Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. In other words, everything I'm saying is directly from God. Don't question it. 
I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. So here's the thing. The Holy Spirit now lives in us. Right? Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in us, to come and dwell with us, so that He can teach us what is right, what is wrong, but so that He can also remind us that God is the source of peace. That God is the source of truth. That Jesus coming, He's here to remind us everything that Jesus taught Everything that Jesus did, everything that Jesus said, he is here to be that source of reminding us so that when I do forget, I don't have to turn to Google, but I can turn to the Holy Spirit and say, God, I need you, Spirit, I need you to remind me of what was said about this. And I need you to guide me towards the truth that is found in your word. Not a sermon that I've heard somewhere else, but the truth that is found in the source of your word. Because I need peace. Or I need whatever. Fill in the blank. I need. So let me turn to that. And that is how we pass on peace to others. Because as he reminds us, we pass on that peace. And, and this is what he's reminding us of because it goes on to say, I'm leaving with you a gift, peace of mind and heart. So he just gets done saying the Holy Spirit's going to remind us. And we're like, oh, remind us of what? He answers it right here. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. He is the source of perfect peace. And if you want to know why you can have peace, it goes on to say, I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches He has no power over me. But I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. He has no rival. You want to know why you can have peace? Because Jesus has no equal. He has no rival. Satan, let let me tell you a secret. Satan is not Jesus' rival. Satan is below. Satan is beneath. Satan has no power over Jesus. When Jesus walked into hell and said, I will take back the keys of sin and death, I will take those things back, it wasn't like there was this giant power struggle. Jesus said it, and it happened. You want to know why you can have peace? Because the source of our peace is an all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful, all-consuming God who has no rival, who has no equal, who has never lost a battle and never will. That's why we can have peace. It's because of who He is. 
is because there's nothing that can surpass him. There is nothing that can get to him. There is nothing that can happen. But we have to choose to walk in it. So how do I choose to walk in that peace? And I'm going to give you the trick right here. And this is something that I've been teaching my kids. So Quinn, for some reason over this past week, she's got like one of the most vivid um, imaginations. And if you asked my parents, they would tell you I did. And now I apparently have passed that trait on to my daughter. Um, But over this past week, especially, um, she has started having uh, this idea that someone is putting a ladder up against the side of our house and sneaking in her window at night to take her away. And she comes downstairs, like we put them to bed, and then Julianne and I go to have like quiet time on the couch, um, or like sitting in the living room, and my daughter will inevitably come downstairs multiple times. Multiple times. And here's what I'm going to tell you. If you are looking for something small or something simple to get your kids for Christmas, um, get them the scripture that I'm about to tell you and put it on their wall somewhere. Whether it's in art form, whether it's simply just putting it on a piece of paper, however you want to do it, give them this. Because I think this is, this is the key to finding perfect peace. In Isaiah 26.3, it says this, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So here's the trick. Keep your mind fixed on him. If you really want to walk in peace, it's as simple as that. Keep your mind fixed on him. And this is why I'm trying to teach this scripture to my daughter, to my son, as they deal with their anxiety and worry that for some reason every kid happens when they lay their head down to go to sleep at night. As many times as that thought comes to, to, to my memory, is as many times as I need to adjust my, fix, my, 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 my mind to be fixed back on Him. As, as many times as I begin to worry about my child who is, who is living in sin, who is addicted to drugs, who is addicted to porn, who is addicted to as many times as my mind comes back to being fixed on those things, in order to find peace, I must fix my mind back on Him because He is the source of peace. As many times as I begin to worry about my finances and, and I begin to worry about, about whether I'm going to have enough or whether it's going to be enough, it's as many times as I need to take my mind and fix it back on Him. As many times as I worry about where our world is and and worry about the news that I hear and worry about what I see going on around me is as many times as in order to have peace, I must turn and fix my mind back on Him. See, so many times the reason we don't have peace is because our eyes are fixed on the problem instead of fixed on the source of, of, of who we trust to be our anchor in the midst of the problem. That he may not work it out the way I think I think he should, or he might not work it out the way that I think he could, 
but do I still place the anchor of my trust in the person of who Jesus Christ is coming to earth to die for me so that I could find peace in the midst of my storm? If a boat is in the midst of a storm and its anchor is down, it can only stay rooted if it stays attached to the anchor. As soon as you cut the anchor, the boat's going to drift away with the storm. If he is my anchor of peace, if he is my anchor of trust, I must first stay connected to him so that I can stay connected in the midst of the storm. So I cannot break that connection, whether it's through disobedience or whether it's through getting my eyes fixed on something else. Or maybe it's that I have never had a connection to the anchor and I need a connection to the anchor because I need peace right now. We have been through a crazy, hectic, weird year. But I can tell you this, my peace, my peace has never wavered because I know where my anchor is. Because I am connected to the anchor that holds me in the midst of it all. So here's what I'm going to tell you right now, wherever you are. Whatever's going on in the midst of your life, right? Whatever the storm is, whatever the anxiety is, whatever the fear is, realize, stay connected to the anchor. Stay connected to him. One Stay in the word, stay in prayer. Two, take your eye off the storm and put it on him. Stop looking at the storm. Look at the source. Look at the anchor. The anchor holds. The anchor holds. He is the source of peace and wherever you're at, whatever peace you need right now, fix your eyes Fix your mind on Him. Gaze to the Father. Gaze to the Son. And glorify them in the midst of your storm. Bring glory to Him in the midst of the storm. You want to know how I do it? This is how I do it. God, you see that I am in the midst, that I'm in the midst of this, God. And God, I don't know which way is up and I don't know which way is down right now but I know that you are my anchor and I know that you are my source and I know that you have promised me peace because scripture tells me that you did not give me a spirit of fear but you gave me a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind and God because of that I can grab a hold of peace and I can know that it is for me because I know that you are for me and I know that you have no rival I know that you have no equal and I know that your kingdom reigns and God I put my peace and I put my trust in that so that I can find peace and I can find hope and I can find joy and I can find love in you. That is what it means to find peace and to bring glory to him in the midst of a troubled situation because I know that he has me in his hands. I know that he has my kids. I know that he has the situation in his hands and it's because of that that I can walk in peace. So if you need peace today, fix your eyes, fix your mind on Him. Maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you're watching today and you've never started a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to give you the opportunity to do that. 
Maybe you have never created a connection to the anchor. And you're looking and going, man, I could really use some peace today. And if you're telling me that Jesus can give me peace, that's a relationship that I want to have. So maybe that's you. And if that's you, all I want you to do is right now where you're sitting, just say, God, I need your peace. God, forgive me for what I've done wrong. I need a relationship with you. I need a connection to peace. I need a connection to you. The Bible says that you might not even have said that sitting at your home, but the Bible says that if you thought that, that if you have looked and said, God, I need you and I want a relationship with you, that if you have committed to that in your heart, you now have a relationship with him. And if you made that commitment for the first time today, could you please send us a message through Facebook? Get in touch with us on Instagram. Get in touch with us, whatever medium you are using, send us a message. Go to th.church and send us a message. Send us an email. Send me an email. If you go to the Meet Our Staff page, my name is right there. You can click on email Pastor Matt. You can get in contact with me and let me know that you made that commitment because we want to talk to you about what it means and, and what that next step is going to look like in your journey of finding peace in Him and your journey of putting your trust in Him and following Him and allowing Him to be the source of what you need. Thanks for listening to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. Our prayer is that this message encouraged and inspired you in your journey with Christ. For more information, you can visit our website at th.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at TowerHillNH. To give online, you can go to th.church. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.